Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. Hey, I'm Rad. And I'm Paul. Today, toot toot, all aboard for board games. <laughs> is the iPhone a better webcam than an actual webcam? And is meaty rice meaty nice? <laughs> That's right. Has science gone too far? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's so, it's so good to see you, Rad. And, uh, it's just, look... I'm still buzzing, frankly, not from that intro, which was lovely, but because I went and did something in person that I've literally never done before. I went and played board games at a board game convention of sorts. You're looking at me like I have. No, I've never done this before. This is new to me. Look, I haven't been there for your whole life, Paul, so you would hopefully know better than me (laughs) what you've been up to in your time on this earth. But Mm. they do this at PAX. How have you not like sat down and played a board game at PAX. Contrary to what my general vibe might imply, uh, I find it extremely hard to socialize sometimes and board game kind of setups at PAX, I find very intimidating. Partly because people are always engaged in the game and I don't want to rock up and just go, hey, can I play? So I sort of just stand there and occasionally watch from the outside. But for the first time ever, I went and actually did the thing. Well, how was it, you sweet summer child that's still having new experiences on this earth, which I think is wonderful? (laughs) It was good. So the Melbourne Toy Fair was running uh, Feb 11 to 14 and the folks at VR Distribution uh, invited me over to Fortress in Melbourne where they threw this shindig for critics and retailers and I didn't realize that it would involve socializing I thought I'd get to just go and kind of interview some people and have drinks but no I got there and it was literally like being the new kid at a school and being just pushed into the playground or going to prison and having to learn to do push-ups with strangers it was really intense and intimidating but Britta and the team were really accommodating and I ended up sort of milling about for a bit and then Alice Clark who is a games journalist literally pulled me into a game and made me participate and you know what it was thoroughly delightful and completely painless. So what game did you play? So Coffee Rush is a title by Career Board Games and it's basically a game where you and three other people are trying to run coffee shops and you get orders from a deck and you have certain amounts of time to basically fill those orders. And the cute thing, Rad, is that you get little plastic coffee cups and the resources you're filling them with, you're actually physically filling them with little like bits of milk or chocolate or foam or whatever. I should point out the fail condition of the game, which was needlessly stressful is it's based on people in the game, the customers, right, in the game, getting so pissed at you for missing orders that they give you bad reviews on social media. So yes, it's a game about making coffee, but it's also about placating assholes who could sink your business once you reach five thumbs down on Facebook or whatever, which is a weirdly hostile place for such a cutesy game to go. It's very strange how social media has infiltrated like basically every game. Yeah. There's so, so many both video games and board games now that have some sort of social media mechanic in them. 
uh, truly is a sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, look, it was the weakest part of the game, but they had to find some way to kind of instigate like urgency and to find a way to finish the game. But here's the problem, Rad. You're moving your little waiters and waitresses around this board to get resources, but there are finite resources. So you're not just trying to run your cafe, you're also trying to deprive other people of basic resources like water and milk, which got me realizing I cannot tell you how much more I prefer co-op games to competitive games. Even when I was a kid, I just couldn't get into stuff like Monopoly, Battleship, fucking chess. I couldn't do it. And board games didn't gel for me until I discovered games with common goals. And you can't play this. <laughs> Am I crazy? You and I are very different people. Like I'm here to compete and I'm here to win. <laughs> I, I like like what, what point is there? And like, ooh, I beat the game. I beat the game. <laughs> That's there's no victory in that. I actually agree with you, but what I like is a game that's more like a team sport where it's you and other people playing against a common enemy. Now that common enemy can be other people. That's the game. That's playing against the game. I guess I guess so. But the thing is, there were points during this game where we all felt so guilty. I want to beat humans. <laughs> for man is the ultimate hunt. So you want you want some Russian oligarch to take you to an island and just <laughs> give you a gun and tell you to cut sick. Look, no, I want to play a board game against my friends competitively. That's all I'm saying, Paul. That's very different. You're right. Well, look, I think the, the problem with this game is it's got such a cutesy aesthetic that we all found ourselves really struggling with the cutthroat nature of it. Obviously, we were united against a common foe in a way, which is bad reviews, but re-bad reviews, I just remembered, Rad. So last year in New South Wales, uh, my father-in-law's a house painter and he was really upset because a house painter in New South Wales got a one-star review on Google and he sued the customer for defamation. And it went really high up the courts and it only recently just got thrown out. The painter was suing because he was claiming the review was harming his business, right? And the judge dismissed the case. So now I'm thinking maybe a sequel to this game would be good if you could like sue the customers who left you bad reviews (laughs) in the previous game. I feel like that old mate suing the person who left the review Mm. is like, worse for their business than the one star review (laughs) like imagine you're going to go hire a house painter and you like look them up and then there's news articles about them suing someone who left a one star google review like it's screaming petty yeah it's screaming like uh, maybe a little bit um emotionally unstable <laughs> also i don't think because if, if i understand the legal system right and i like to think i do and if i in- understood the film double jeopardy which i like to think i did then this customer can then leave a negative review one star tried to sue me <laughs> Uh, I don't think, I'm not sure that's what Double Jeopardy was about, but look, I'm, I'm willing to take it. Okay. Uh, well, look, we finished Coffee Rush and it was thoroughly enjoyable and I'm actually looking forward to getting back to it. And, you know, I played some more board games throughout the night, but the thing that really struck me, Rad, was that this was so different to a video game event where typically speaking, I avoid the game, right? I just, you know, I, I'm socializing. Whereas, <laughs> which, whereas here, it was nothing but the game and I felt this incredible sense of community. And by the time I finished, I was so much more engaged with the product yeah i think that that's you know you're right a a really difficult thing about these events that are like trying to show off a video game it's quite difficult to sit down and play something and get a sense of it when you're maybe in a venue that's got loud music and people milling around and drinks and food and whatever going on Mm. it's not the same and it's I, I feel the same way about a convention floor right it's not the same as sitting at home and playing it's really hard to get into it and to also just 
understand what it is you're doing. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's the distraction or the fact that I know I've got limited time and other people are waiting to play, but something about trying to play a game demo at an event makes me dumber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard relate. All of a sudden, I don't know how to walk. I don't know how to look at an inventory. I am out here struggling, oh. which is a little bit the experience that I had recently at uh, the launch event for Skull and Bones, uh, which is that new pirate game from Ubisoft that's um, that's coming out. Mm. They had the little, uh, I'm about to say PlayStations, but that's a trademark, playing stations? <laughs> Demo stations? Sure, yep, yep. <laughs> and just standing there trying to play these games, yeah, you just, it's such a difficult way to get a sense of a game. What do you think it is about a video game that makes it easier to engage with in these situations? Do you think it's the fact that they've really like corralled you together and said, sit down and play. This is what you're doing now. You're not walking around with the opportunity to like chat to someone else. You're going to do that at the table and kind of like maybe the socializing is woven into the experience. Or do you think it's just maybe like Board games, slightly different crowds, slightly different vibe. I'm not sure because I was say, I was making this argument that board games are like vinyl, right? Mm. They've come back in, they're very tactile, and you sort of have to get hands-on, right? There's a kind of bespoke physical nature, whereas a video game is something I play shamefully in private. <laughs> making me do it in public feels <laughs> feels wrong. It's like, they like, get comfortable. I'm like, you don't want that. It's true. <laughs> yeah, right. Whereas a board game feels inherently like a thing you do with a group of people. Now, I know that I'm a big advocate for single-player board games, but that's still, even when I'm doing a single-player board game, it doesn't feel quite the same. A video game by yourself feels indulgent. A board game by yourself feels unnatural. And the inverse applies for video games. So if the developer of a game is sitting there watching me, explaining the controls to me and asking me to have fun with their game, and there's like a bank of people around me and there's drinks and music, I'm checked out. Like I'm just, I'm not paying attention. And that's, I don't think that's something I can change internally. It does feel a shame because obviously you go to these things wanting to get a sense of the game. And when it's that difficult, you know, it, it almost starts to feel like a moot point, but at the same time, Skull and Bones, you know, they did some really cool pirate stuff. They had people, they had like a cosplay competition and got people to dress up as pirates and then gave 10 of the best dressed people a key. And then they had to try and use the key to open up a chest and whichever, like it, it was like a the sword in the stone kind of thing. Whichever key was correct won like a $7,000 laptop. Whoa, and scurvy. It's, it swings around about it. It's, 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 it's it's a very historically accurate game. Okay, so yeah, a lot of fun stuff, but it seems like fun stuff that wasn't the game, right? Whereas at the board game place, that was the fun. Well, look, I I can't comment on how fun the game is because I didn't play enough of it slash understand it in uh, the fervor of, you know, fish and chips moving behind me. And so I want to grab some. <laughs> There's something really beautiful about going to an event and them having like slightly weirdly themed food. Like I went to the premiere of The Little Mermaid and they served sushi. No, 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 that's cannibalism. What the fuck? What the fuck? That's so intense. That's so intense. Like the sushi itself wasn't good. It was kind of cheap sushi, but just the balls to be like, oh, all those sea creatures that we're anthropomorphizing and trying to get you to fall in love with, oh, eat them. That's so good. <laughs> just have next to each platter, have the name of the character. Right? <laughs> just really, 
really lean into the branding. One day when the boss get hungry. Guess who called me on the plate? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Eating sushi at a Little Mermaid film premiere is a pretty uniquely sicko experience, much like the new meaty rice that has been developed by Yonsei University in South Korea. Now, in an effort to create food that is more nutritionally dense, they've taken grains of rice, coated it in fish gelatin and food enzymes, and then grown meat, particularly like bovine, uh, cow meat and fat cells, on the rice in a petri dish for like 11 days. <laughs> I don't want to eat this. Do you want to eat this? Does this sound good to you? You don't want to eat it? No, I don't want to eat <laughs> Um, I like meat. I like rice. I feel like Joey and friends when he's eating Rachel's godforsaken trifle. Like, what's not to like? <laughs> Apparently, this meaty rice is also firmer and more brittle than normal rice. But most importantly, it has a much smaller carbon footprint than beef. Eight times less. Right. So that's kind of where they're moving towards with this sort of technology, I suppose. Uh, but it only has 8% more protein and 7% more fat than rice itself. So it's it's marginally more nutritionally beneficial, but it's a step in the right direction using rice as a scaffold, grow some meat on it, oh. don't you think? Oh, meat scaffold, Jesus Christ. I have a bingo card of things that make me feel sick and you just tick them all off in one go. <laughs> Honestly, this meaty rice looks weird. It looks like... It looks like something from a really shitty AI image generator where you've typed in grains of rice, but made out of meat. That's dead set what it looks like. Oh my God. I haven't felt this sick since a friend of mine heard that I was not feeling well and he microwaved mayonnaise and held it in front of me to get me to boot. I mean, it's just- What? There are things you're not meant to put in front of me and meaty rice is one of them. What do you mean microwaved mayonnaise? Ah, right. So uh, we'd had a big party and I actually, I needed to spew, but I couldn't. And my friend said, I'll be right back. And I heard a microwave going off. Comes back with a little dish of microwave mayonnaise. And let me tell you something. That was the ejector seat <laughs> of my body. <laughs> Into space. <laughs> See, Paul, I'm uniquely gifted. I can throw up on cue in probably under a minute with no assistance. That's like my party trick. Many actors can cry on cue. If you can throw up on cue, you're going to fill a very specific niche in Hollywood. <laughs> it's It's even better when you kind of add the like, cat shoulder slash back rounding movement to it all. <laughs> Just... <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, I almost don't know if there actually is a place for meaty rice in the rice world. Like, it's certainly interesting technology 
And I think, you know, using rice as a scaffold to grow other things in order to enhance its nutritional value is quite clever. However, golden rice already exists. What's golden rice? Golden rice is the product of a genetic engineering project, I suppose, that started back in the 80s where they wanted to increase the nutritional value of rice, which is uh, both a crop that has really low instances of allergy, Mm. but it's also like quite easy to grow. It's already in a lot of cultures. It's it's used very, very heavily. Mm. Um, so they wanted to add beta carotin, uh, which is a precursor to vitamin A, into the rice. And you see beta carotin in like carrots and sweet potato, often orangey stuff. And so the rice started looking gold, uh-huh. hence the name golden rice. Uh-huh. Uh, but the idea is that vitamin A deficiency is a really big issue in a lot of places and it can cause uh, eye conditions such as night blindness and corneal scars. So by creating this rice, which is theoretically like very easy to grow in place of normal rice, uh, you can pump people with a little bit more nutrients um, and and thus try and help avoid some of these nutritionally based kind of diseases. Right. But I mean, no one's got a meat scaffold deficiency that they need fixed pronto, <laughs> right? <laughs> like a Golden rice sounds like a noble pursuit. Meteor rice sounds like a horror movie. Well, look, I said it, but then I thought about it a little more and I'm like, actually, most of what they're trying to do is uh, work with the bounds of climate change. Yeah. So it. It takes a lot of water and greenhouse gases to raise cows, whereas it takes very, very little to grow meaty rice. (laughs) And you can't milk rice. Not yet. (laughs) Hey, rice milk is a thing. Is it? Oh, wait. Meaty rice milk. Yeah. <sighs> well, look, a quote springs to mind, Rad. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could make meaty rice that they didn't stop to think if they should make meaty rice. <laughs> well, Paul, I got to be honest. I thought that you would be more into meaty rice given that you hit the gym. You want to get that uh, protein content up. Every little bit helps. Every gram you can get 8% more protein than your regular rice. That's really going to upgrade your... Uh, chicken breast, rice, and broccoli situation. I guess so, but when given the choice between uh, a chalky milk and rice with meat on it, I'm going with the milk, Rad. When you say rice with meat on it, it actually sounds completely fine. You know what, you're right. It's the specifics of meaty rice and you putting the word scaffolding in that made it unpalatable. <laughs> Look, this could be the norm soon, and I, I celebrate the fact that foods are going to be tailored to help kind of survive in this world that we're moving into. And I think it's actually scientifically interesting. I just think it's gross. I'm very disappointed that you are apparently someone who is getting in the way of progress. (laughs) I expected better from you. I'm sorry. sorry. Speaking of better, one thing that I have changed about my setup recently that has made it so much better is using my iPhone as a webcam attached to my MacBook. Yeah, I noticed your kind of visual fidelity had jumped up. Is this something, what prompted you to do this? Um, I'm really pedantic and the webcam just wasn't cutting it for me. I always thought it looked a bit crummy, mm. but I hate setting up my like Fuji X-T4 as a webcam. Like setting up a mirrorless camera for a webcam, I know it looks great, it's a pain in the ass. I don't want to have to do it. The software that Fuji released doesn't work all the time. I don't want to have to bring in, like, plug in a capture card in order to use this thing. 
but the phone every like because it's a mac to mac kind of situ or apple to apple situation yeah it all just talks to each other it all just works you can either use it wired which is what i'm doing because i'm a thousand years old and uh i like to make sure that it's reliable i like to make sure it's still charging um or you can do it wirelessly i haven't tested how the latency is on that but yeah it just uses like my phone's back facing camera and it looks incredible it's a fairly new feature that they've introduced and they also introduced a bunch of like silly animations that you can do depending on different oh. gestures that you make so for example if i make a love heart yep. <laughs> with my hands animated hearts spin out of it i don't know how to turn it off yeah because occasionally you give me a thumbs up as like a nice reassuring gesture and a huge thumb emerges from the screen floats away so i just thought i was having a hallucination turns out you just upgraded your kit is this common practice do you think people are going to start making this move on mass or have they been doing it for a while and we just didn't know no no it's still relatively new and i think that you know, if you've already got the hardware, it's a really nice and easy way to get a substantial upgrade. However, it did get me thinking, why are webcams so shit? <laughs> like, why are they still so shit? They suck. <laughs> like, even the oh, good ones. Yeah, yeah. And look, you have a built-in webcam on your computer now just by default. Yeah, computers have had those for a while. But every time I try and buy one, it is in some way garbage. I don't understand how it is so... It's one of those blind spots, rather like passwords like why do passwords still exist why isn't there a more efficient means of doing a thing there's all kinds of technological blind spots and i feel like the webcam is sitting just dead center especially given that phone cameras have gotten so good mm. and i could see an argument of you know maybe the technology to have a really great camera costs more than people are willing to pay for a webcam or a dedicated thing mm. whereas People really want their phones to have great cameras, so you package it all up and that's worthwhile to them. But you say to someone, pay $500 for this webcam, and people are flipping the bird at that idea. But given how we all went through the digital living age of lockdown, I just would have thought... I just would have thought webcams would be better by now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas actually they're sitting in this weird spot. You know how nobody has a printer anymore? Oh, I do. You have... <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. For me, a printer is like a bread maker. It's a thing that I wouldn't hate having, but I have to go somewhere else. Oh, I have else one to... of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but, but those things are like, those things are sort Name of- Name another appliance, Paul. Uh, Fucking try me. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, do you have, you have a sandwich press? Oh, this is gone. Ages. My point is that there are fairly bespoke appliances, right? But a webcam is something everybody has. Like, it's it, why is why aren't they better? Is a very reasonable question. And if the market is presented with, like, if the if the webcam manufacturers are presented with this news of, oh, uh, people's phones are better than your webcams, then do you think that will instigate a fresh wave of better tech moving forward? I think we've already started to see some of that better tech coming in, particularly with the rise of streamers. Although a lot of professional streamers that I know mm. will get like, yeah, mirrorless cameras and set those up instead because it just looks so much better. And if, if it's their full-time gig, like that makes sense. It's totally worthwhile, right? But for us more everyday folk, um, <laughs> the convenience of a webcam is really, really hard to go past. I don't necessarily, like I said, want to have a capture card or want to get third-party software that may not work super well. Mm. Uh, so we have seen more high-fidelity webcams. Uh, for example, Elgato have some really cool stuff and there's uh, people doing stuff in the space of more corporate things like business level webcams for conferences 
and they're marketed a little bit differently. And Logitech have a new webcam that's for like doing stuff on a table. <laughs> what? what will I... I'm not explaining that well. They have one with. <laughs> what, like a fucking seance? Like. A... No. <laughs> like a stand, a stand that's more. I guess you can like slide it up and down and slide the uh, webcam across yeah. so that you get more mobility in the stand to be able to point it at, at things. Yeah, okay. Well, cooking demos. For people that like do craft on a table and they stream that. High stakes poker. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Top down sort of like look at look at my stuff. So there is innovation in the space, but when you it, it's it is sad. It is just simply objectively sad. When I plug in my phone, it works better and it looks hotter than any webcam I own. It's a searing indictment of the webcam industry. And I love, Rad, that this is this topic's coming up the same week that everyone's talking about uh, Madam Web, where we're, we're talking about Adam Web Cam. <laughs> that fucking, that garbage quip was better than the entire film. But it was still uh, a mark against what was otherwise an excellent episode <laughs> of Game for Anything. That's now coming to a close yeah yeah <laughs> sorry about that quip quip more like thwip anyway thanks for listening folks i'm paul that's rad you're okay. you see you later Bye bye <laughs>